Today we continue our series entitled Giving Church. And as Pastor Daniel said, we're in our 21-day season of prayer and of fasting. All right, putting you on the spot. How's it going? 21 days of prayer and fasting. How's it going for you? Going okay? Yeah, okay. I hope so. We're removing distractions right now just to spend extra time in prayer. I know in my own life this week what an encouragement that was to fast through mealtimes, pray, seek the heart of God. Isn't it interesting just how much closer we draw to the Lord when we fast? There's just something to that, isn't it? Where it seems like our ears are more open to him, our, our mind and our heart is more open to what he has for us. And so uh, if you hadn't gotten started yet, listen, that's okay. No shame here. Let, let me give you some grace today. Start today, man. Start Right now, start tomorrow, jump in, uh, grab the devotional, even if you need to start on day one tomorrow and uh, be a week behind from where the rest of the church is at. That's okay. This is just about connecting with the Lord, isn't it? Uh, Are you enjoying the devotional so far? Come on, church. I know I am. Uh, Today, our devotion, day seven, of course, we're on day seven today, devotion on giving as just a pure act of worship. Uh, that's really what giving's about, isn't it? We're going to talk about that today. Giving as a pure, just act of worship, man. Just our desire to express our love to the Lord. And that's what the people of Israel did in the Old Testament as they went to build the uh, the temple. As David uh, led the people to give toward the building of the temple. It says that there were many who gave just out of generous hearts, just wanting to worship the Lord. And so, again, these devos are available out on the resource wall out in kids' check-in area. And so uh, grab that if you haven't gotten it already, okay? More in 24. That's our theme, right? More in 24. Do we want more of God in 24? Well, if we want more, one of the keys to more is actually being content with what you have, And that's where we're at today, Philippians chapter 4. We're looking at contentment. Uh, How many fortune cookie fans have I got in the house? I got any fortune cookie fans? You like fortune cookies? How many Asian food fans have I got in the house? Yeah, we love Asian food in our house. And so uh, you go and you have a great meal. And at the end of the meal, they come and they, they bring you these little cookies in the bags, you know, and you rip open that bag. And fortune cookies are... Sweet to the taste, got a little crunch to it, right? So a little crunch to it at the end of the meal. And of course, inside of those cookies, you have just those blessings of God. Amen. Those messages that just encourage the heart, right? Uh, Messages typically about health, wealth, or prosperity, or relationships, or something like that. Some uh, cute and quaint little, uh, typically Chinese proverbs that are inside of these fortune cookies. And uh, the sad truth is there's a lot of preaching and teaching today that's like a fortune cookie. Have you figured that out? There's a lot of preaching and teaching in our culture today, and especially in Western culture and in America, that under the name and the banner, supposedly, of Jesus Christ is a whole lot more like a fortune cookie than it is a healthy meal. And it's sweet to the taste, it's palatable. It's got a nice little message with it that tells you about health, wealth, and prosperity, and three steps to having a perfect life, And uh, but yet, if you spend all your time eating fortune cookies, are you going to be very healthy? Come on, church. You're not, are you? You're not. 
where we get our sustenance from is from the rice and the chicken and the, and the vegetables and from the meal, right? It's not the fortune cookie. And so the Apostle Paul is going to talk in this passage. By the way, the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. You know where he's writing this letter from? Jail. So he's going to write on happiness, how to have joy in the book of Philippians from a jail cell that he's been thrown into because of his preaching for the gospel and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ in a pagan area that didn't want to hear it. And it's imperative that we find our identity in the gospel, that we find our contentment in Christ. More of God in your life The measure of the amount of God, just the sense of his presence, power, peace, and wisdom in your life is uh, uh, directly correlates with the level, if you will, of our contentment with God and with our families and our job and the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in. So today, are you content in Christ? Are you content? Philippians chapter 4, Paul tells us about contentment today, and he really gives us a pathway to happiness. True, deep-seated joy. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10, Paul writes, and he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you, uh, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And it's not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be, what's that word, church? Content. Let's say it again. Content. Yeah, content. I've learned, he says, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. Any and every circumstance. I have learned Now, we've seen that word twice already right here, haven't we? Learned. We're going to talk about that today. Contentment is a learned trait. He says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and of hunger, abundance and need. And here's famous verse, right? Verse 13. Let's say it together. Okay. Ready? I can do all things through Christ, right? Who... Strengthens me through him who strengthens me. Verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in uh, Thessalonica, which was the next city over from, from Philippi. So even just uh, that short period of time from leaving Philippi to getting to Thessalonica, they were already bringing him a gift. You sent me help for my needs once and again. And not that I seek the gift. It's not the gift I'm after. It's not that the church needs the money, although we have uh, we, we have responsibilities to take care of as a church. Uh, it's not so much about the gift. He says, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. How many of you know you can't outgive God today? Come on, church. Do you know that today? Listen, you cannot outgive God. I have received, verse 18, full payment. So they've given generously to the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Listen to this. A fragrant aroma. 
a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So now he's leaning into temple language, Old Testament language, that, that uh, altar of incense. We'll finish with that idea in today's message. But this fragrant aroma of God. And he says, verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul talks to us here about the path to happiness. The path to true deep-seated joy. Okay, and he says, first of all, if we're going to have joy, we must first be content in every situation. Contentment is the secret. It's the key to true, deep-seated joy, no matter the circumstances we're walking through. Uh, contentment here, it speaks of being completely self-sufficient, not dependent on anyone or anything else. In other words, Paul's saying, I don't need more money. I don't need more possessions. I don't need better relationships. I don't need more influence. I don't need a bigger church or a bigger ministry in order to be happy in this life. Also, he's also saying here, I don't need the validation or affirmation of others to be happy. Although it's important, relationships are, he's there to build the church and to build the fellowship of the body at all these different churches he started in the early New Testament church. But yet he says it's not validation or affirmation. He says, uh, my contentment is completely in Christ. First Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul tells uh, young pastor Timothy, he says, godliness is a means of great gain when you add contentment to it. It's it, so godliness and contentment together leads to incredible spiritual gain and profit in our heart and in our life. He says we brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything out either. Sounds like something we tell our children, right? I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Uh, we brought nothing into this world uh, and uh, therefore we're not going to take anything out. If we have, he says, food and covering... Clothing, with these we shall be content. So, man, if you've got a roof over your head, food on your table, clothes on your back, and people to do life with, they love you, that'll put up with you, come on, men in the room, right? You know what I'm saying. Uh, Man, you ought to have some joy. You ought to be grateful. And so uh, we ought to be happy if we have these things. God is, has God blessed you? Come on, church. Has he blessed us? Yeah. Listen, testify today. He has blessed us. So let's be grateful. He says here he learned contentment. That's a key word. In other words, this is important. Through each and every circumstance we go through in life, it's a learning opportunity. Whether good or bad, God allows all these things to work together. Romans 8, right? God causes all things to work together for our good. To those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so in each and every circumstance, we can learn. So contentment is something we learn by trusting God through the circumstances of this life. Who else wants to testify today? Listen, God's got this. Come on now. Does he, does he have this? Yeah, he, listen, he has you. He has us. He has the whole world as we love to sing as kids, right? Used to sing as kids. Whole world's in his hands. And so contentment. 
Uh, Jeremiah Burroughs, famous Puritan pastor, once said this, Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. He, he is sovereign over this. He is our loving Heavenly Father. God is good. And we can trust Him. Gratitude, as I shared a moment ago, gratitude is a servant of contentment, isn't it? A true contentment means I'm grateful. I'm grateful for everything that God has provided. Everything that he's done. True contentment means I'm grateful for my location, my vocation, my situation, and my relations. Isn't it? My location, vocation, situation, and relations. When I'm content, I'm happy in all these things. Right? And I trust that God is good. And also, let me add to this. This, has, this helps add some context. Contention and contentment are opposites. Is that right? They're opposites. So when I'm fussing, fighting, arguing, and grumbling, I'm not content. That's just fifth grade level simple, isn't it? Contention, contentment have that same root word, yet contention is fighting and, and being ungrateful and critical and cynical. But contentment is the opposite. It's saying, God, you're good and I'm grateful today. Contentment also is desiring less in this life, right? We're talking about giving a lot in this series. So financially, contentment is desiring less in this life because you know, come on somebody, is there more coming in the next when you know Jesus? There is. Hey, think of contentment like a hotel. Think of it like a hotel. Uh, whenever you travel, you like to stay in a nice hotel, don't you? Clean, comfortable bed. No noise, bless God, no noise, right? It, it, it's great when you stay in a hotel, man, ain't kids running up and down the hall, folks going crazy, you're partying in the nighttime, all this crazy stuff, right? So you want a nice, clean room, comfortable bed, no noise, and you got to have breakfast. Can I get an amen on that? Hotel doesn't provide breakfast, listen, we're going to pray them into purgatory, right? That's not a place, by the way, that's not a real place, but, uh, you know, you you want all these things, but... No matter how comfortable the bed is, or how nice the room is, or how awesome the view to the room is, or how great the breakfast is, it ain't home, is it? You listening? It's not home. Church, listen to me. This is not our home. It's just our hotel. We're just here doing God's business. We're just passing through. Heaven is our home. And so every dollar we invest in ministry, every prayer we pray, every hour given in service to God and to others in the name of Jesus Christ, every conversation we have with someone about Jesus, all of those things, we are investing, literally, Scripture says, in home, in our eternal home. It's not wasted. It's not gone. It is invested and it will come back to us. This is not our home. So the point is, nothing wrong with having a nice room, a comfortable bed and a good breakfast to eat. But at the end of the day, that's not where our hope or our identity is. It's not in possessions or money or 
uh, what car we drive or, you know, what kind of food we eat or how much influence, you know, a uh, popularity or fame or, or whatever that we have in this life. It's, listen, it's all about Jesus. It's all about his kingdom that is to come. Let me ask you a question today. Are you content? Are you content? Contentment is one of the greatest signs that I have an intimate walk with Jesus. Is I'm content. I'm content. I'm happy in my marriage. I'm happy with my kids. They're not perfect. Okay? But I'm happy. God's at work and I'm trusting God that he's going to work here. I'm not angry and cynical and critical all the time. I'm content with my kids, content in my marriage, content with my family, content in my job, even with all the difficulties. I'm grateful for the job that I have and the possessions I have and all that God has given to me. Are you content? Boy, one of the keys to joy in your life is being content. Which leads to number two. Not only, not only does he say we've got to be content in every situation, he also says here that Christ is our strength. Jesus is our strength. And that's, that is the seat, the foundation of true contentment and therefore true joy. It's finding our identity in Christ. Uh, Philippians 4.13, this is that passage we love to quote, don't we? This is, this is the, the verse that, you know, uh, athletes get tattooed on their chest. You know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. They put it on their shoes or on the, you know, Tim Tebow, right? He put it under his eyes, you know, while he's playing football. Philippians 4.13, man, it's... It's one of our favorite verses. Man, I can win this game in Jesus' name, right? I, man, I can rock this workout, right, in Jesus' name. You know, some of you men starting a new year, you say, I can do all things through Christ, man. I can rock this workout. I can run this marathon. I can meet this goal. I can accomplish this thing. It's like, uh, you know, Queen, we are the champions. This is like our we are the champions verse, right? That's the way we say it. In Christian culture, it's like, man, we are the champions. And yes, we are victors in Christ. But is that the context of this passage? It's not. We've turned Philippians 4.13 into a fortune cookie. We've turned it into a fortune cookie. We've turned it into this sweet, palatable health, wealth, and prosperity message when what Paul is saying is, I'm up in jail, man. And this is hard, it's difficult, but what I have learned is through each and every circumstance of life, Jesus is enough. Isn't that what we sang this morning? Christ is enough. And when you think about this verse, Philippians 4.13, don't think about it so much as our motto of victory, although you can a little bit use it for that. It's really more like wedding vows. It's really more like like a, like wedding vows. I, I've had the great privilege to do dozens of weddings, and whenever we get to the vow, you know, the time of the vows, you know, I'll say, "Okay, now, Bobby, if you'll grab Susie's hand and look her in the eye, come on, guys, look Mama in the eye today. Come on, look her right in the eye, right, and repeat these words after me: I, Bobby, I, Bobby, take you, Susie, take you, Susie." To be my wife, to be my wife. And I promise, and I promise, before God, before God, and these witnesses, and these witnesses, to be your loving, to be your loving, and faithful husband, 
and faithful husband. Right? In plenty and in want. In joy and in sorrow. In sickness and in health. For as long as we both shall live. That sounds a whole lot like what the Apostle Paul is saying here, isn't it? Jesus, he's he's the bridegroom and the church is his bride, by the way. It's a beautiful picture in the scripture. By the way, aren't you glad he'll never leave us nor forsake us? Come on, somebody. He'll never leave us. Never. Nothing could separate us from his love. But what Paul is saying here when he says, I can do all things through Christ, he's saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you in plenty and in want. In joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health. It's not just health, wealth, prosperity, and you meet all these things and I'll be happy. No, no, no. I'm going to trust you and follow you and love you for all of eternity. Simply because of who you are and what you've done in my salvation. And I know that you will provide my every need. According, as he says here, right? According to your riches and glory. Christ. Our identity in Jesus, think about it, we're love. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Are you grateful for the love of God today? Come on now. We're loved. We're forgiven. Justified. Legal term, justified in Christ. No longer guilty of the crimes of sin because of the precious blood of Jesus shed for me. I'm forgiven. I'm protected. We're protected in Jesus. Psalm 34, verse 7, among multiple other verses, but Psalm 34, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Protected eternally in Christ. We're provided for. Isn't that what he says here? My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Hey, hey you want to declare today? Hey, listen, Psalm 84, 11 says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing. Every good thing you're going to provide for us, O Lord. So it's a statement of our identity in him, right? And we are eternally accepted in the beloved because of Jesus. Not because of my good works. Not because of my effort of yours. We're great sinners separated from God. But oh, when we confess our sin and we repent of it, we trust in Jesus. His precious blood serves as that payment due our sin. And his resurrection life is what gives us eternal life. We're accepted, reconciled. Once we're enemies, now not only friends, but family with Jesus. Christ is our strength. Is is that your vow today? That's what contentment is. It's, It's wedding vows. It says Jesus in plenty and in want, joy and sorrow, sickness and in hell. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow you. That's where true joy is found. Oh, he says we've got to be content in every situation. He says Christ is our strength. But lastly here, we're invited to contribute to the supply, aren't we? Some of you, and some of you maybe even watching online, are so incredibly unhappy simply because you don't live a generous life. Scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that word blessing, you can literally translate happy, joy, the blessed life. 
It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's amazing how everything starts to change. Things start to change. Transformation takes place in our heart when we begin to live outward and live a generous life and give to help the poor, to help friends and family in need, and to give to our church, ministry, missions, and those things. Giving. And that's what he talks about here. The church at Philippi, the reason he could say to them, my God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Come on, church. Let's not be fortune cookie faith today, right? This ain't fortune cookie stuff. This is this is the meal. This is for real. This is obeying God. He says, God's going to supply your need because you've been so generous. That's the context. We can't just claim this verse if we're unwilling to give or serve or live an outward life. Seek first, Matthew 6.33. His kingdom, His righteousness, and what will be added? All these things. The, all, everything you need, the context of that passage is talking about what you eat and what you wear and where you live and all these things. God will take care of all that when you put Him first. That's the context here. He talks about responsibility. He says, you entered into partnership with me. It's the word koinonia in the Greek. We most often translate it fellowship. In other words, fellowship is not in word only. It's also in giving and serving. True biblical fellowship is not just eating fried chicken together. Come on, church. As fun as that is and as important as that is, yes, we want to spend time together. But it's more about encouraging one another's faith and then living on mission for God together. The mission of God is very much a part of our fellowship. If you're not engaged in the mission, the giving and the serving, you're not engaged in the full fellowship of the body. That's what he's saying here. And by the way, partnership also carries the idea. Everybody gets saved up in here. If you're a giver, whether you talk to them or not, God credits to your account a little piece of their salvation. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good word? Man, what an encouragement to know in partnership, you get credit for that. And we don't do it for the eternal reward per se. But it is encouraging to know that when we give, God says, you're a part of life change. You're a part of the, all the ministry that's taking place, even when you're unable to be a part of it physically. When you give financially, he says, you're a part of all these, in Paul's context, all these churches that God's leading us to go and to start. So responsibility. He also talks about reward. He says, I don't seek the gift. I seek the, the uh, increase and the credit to your account. Increase and credit are banking terms. So he's leaning in in financial terms because they had given so generously financially. And he says, uh, increase. So profit. When we give, there's profit again for our uh, eternal account, if you will. And so too, credit. Whenever we give, it may be a debit from my account. It's a credit in my ESA, my eternal savings account. Come on, somebody. That's it. It may be out of my account, but it is invested in my eternal account. And that's what he's saying. Man, there is credit that comes with this. But he also finishes, most importantly, talking about the reason. Not just the responsibility, right, and the reward. But he talks about the reason they gave and the true reason that we should give. And it's out of worship. He says, you give... You're giving, man, it's like a fragrant aroma, acceptable and pleasing to God. If you know anything about the temple in the Old Testament, what God told the people to do, he said, I want you to build an altar among many other things. But at the temple, there was this altar called the altar of incense. 
that they built and they placed right outside the Holy of Holies where the great high priest would go in and sprinkle the precious blood of a spotless lamb over the mercy seat for the atonement of the sins of the people of Israel for that year. And it's a beautiful picture of the precious blood of Jesus that would be shed for us. And aren't you glad that he's the once for all sacrifice, right? No longer is there a sacrifice needed for sin. Jesus paid it all for us. But on that altar of incense, right outside the Holy of Holies, the priests were to go in and to light incense. Incense was to be burning all day long. They would light it in the morning, and then they were told to light it even again in the evening at the end of the day. Although everyone was leaving, they were to keep that incense burning perpetually there. And any time they would go in to the inner court of the temple, oh, that fragrant aroma of that incense would be everywhere there. Light smoke there all in that area as well, just representing the presence of God. And by the way, in Jesus' day and in Old Testament days, incense weren't cheap. Incense was not an inexpensive thing. This was a costly matter. And so literally, to put it in our context, right? Let me, let me just give it to you fifth grade level straight. Jesus said, I want you to set money on fire every day for me. Interesting way to look at it, isn't it? Incense. What good is incense for somebody? You can't eat it, can't drink it. It doesn't necessarily build the ministry of the temple per se, if you will, physically. The point was, incense was just an extravagant, generous display of worship every day. And Paul ties that here to our giving. What he's saying is that's the real motivation for giving. No strings attached. Humble, honest, grateful heart before God. God, I'm just grateful that you even let me be in the family. That you even would save a sinner like me. And I'm just grateful today. And so, Father, I want to. Give generously to you. You do whatever you want to with it. If you want to burn it up, burn it up. <laughs> but that's why we give. It's not for influence within the church. It's not so our expectations will be met. It's not out of obligation. God loves a cheerful giver, right? It's just out of worship unto Him. Oh, today, are you content in Christ and with all that He has provided? That's where the joy is. It's resting in Him and being grateful day in and day out for every situation, every circumstance, every provision, every relationship. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. So glad you could join us. If you've given your heart to Jesus, text Hope Jesus, all one word, text Hope Jesus to 77411. Hope Jesus 
877-447-7411. And let me encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. If you hadn't done that already, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share it out. You never know whose life might be changed by simply sharing this message today. So share it out. Okay. And so thank you again for listening in. And we invite you to listen in with us next week.